You're listening to the Rethink Retail Podcast. Today's episode is hosted by Haija Yu. In addition to being a Rethink Retail top retail influencer, Haija is a global business leader that built international teams from the United States, China, India, and Japan to launch new businesses and products, including a cross-border e-commerce platform for one of the largest retailers in China. In this episode, Haija sits down with Better Choice Company's EVP of Strategy, Rob Sauerman, to discuss the company's expansion into international markets and how the company considers factors like cultural nuances when entering a new market. And dear listeners, if you haven't done so already, please show your support by liking and reviewing the Rethink Retail podcast on Spotify and Apple. Those ratings and reviews really do help us secure new guests and great interviews. Thank you and enjoy today's episode. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Rethink Retail podcast. I'm Haisha Yu, and today I'm speaking with my guest, Rob Sauerman. Rob is the executive VP of strategy at Better Choice Company, a rapidly growing pet house and wellness company that owns premium brands like Halo and True Dog. Rob is responsible for managing all international sales and distributor relationships and strategically oversees mergers and acquisitions, company partnerships, investor relations, special projects, and human resources. Prior to joining Better Choice Company, Rob worked at Pegasus Capital Advisors. Mr. Sauerman previously served on the boards of Organics Recycling and National Strategies and currently serves on the boards of SGV International. Thank you for joining the show today, Rob. Thanks for having me, Haisha. Great, absolutely. You have a lot on your shoulders at Better Choice. Can you kick us off high level by telling us a little bit more about Better Choice, your products, and brand identity? Sure. So, um, you know, Better Choice, at Better Choice, our goal is to become the most innovative premium pet food company in the world. And I, and I really want to emphasize the world because we do quite a bit of uh, business domestically in the United States, but we're also really focused on our growth internationally. So uh, what we do is, is we, we sell branded premium pet food. Uh, so that could be kibble, canned food, freeze-dried treats um, in both the domestic and in the international markets. And we're really focused on, on growing rapidly in the space. There's a ton of demand for, for high-quality pet food out there. And we think that as more and more people treat pets like their own children, uh, we think that that's just going to continue to grow. So it's a really exciting space to be in. It's a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, we're, we're really optimistic about what the future holds for us. And then just to, to talk quickly about the brands that we have under our portfolio, um, I really focus on the Halo brand. So Halo is a, uh, is a pet food brand that's been around for a while but we're really focused on revitalizing it. We're launching a new product, Halo Elevate, this year in over 2,000 uh, domestic stores. And you know, we're also revamping Halo Holistic, which is our, our formula that's been around for a while and 
is all about sustainably sourced ingredients and really high quality raw materials. So there's a lot to be excited about. Okay, great. Yeah, we all want our dogs and cats to live healthier and happier and longer lives, just like us. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> like that. Totally. And- Yeah, and Rob, you're responsible for managing the international sales, and Better Choice has built several very strong distribution partnerships over the last few years in China, Korea, and Japan that focus on selling the premium popular Halo brand. So, how did you do it? Yeah, so I think the the first thing here about international is partnerships. Partnerships really matter when whenever you think about. Selling your product internationally, obviously, every pet parent that we sell to cares about feeding a premium pet food. Whether they're in Shanghai, they're in Los Angeles, you know, they're in Seoul. So there's there's a there's a ton of sort of commonality about what the consumer wants, but there's a lot of differences market to market. So when I think about how we sell into China, for example, it's a very different strategy than maybe what we would do in Japan. You know, China's very um, online focused, and it's all about the online experience and 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 sharing through social media. Right. Whereas Japan's a little bit of an older market, and there's a ton of sales that still happen in brick and mortar.、Mm-hmm. So there's some interesting differences.、Um, but we got started in our international business maybe five six years ago. Now we've we've got an incredible. A、uh, partner on our team who's been selling internationally for thirty plus years, and what we wanted to do was find the best partners, best local partners in each of those markets.、Mm-hmm. Work on developing a unique strategy for each of those markets. So in China, it was about how do we come across as authentic and、um, and market to female millennial consumers online. You know, in Japan, it was all about how do we get our product in the right. Store locations, so we can come across as super premium and and shop and be where the consumer shops. So there's a little bit of nuances market to market, but I keep coming back to this whole like finding the right partner as being the key unlock here.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, 30 years of partnerships. That's very impre- impressive. I agree that I think、uh, partnership development is definitely not a not a sprint. And you need to think about long term, especially nowadays with、uh, geopolitical factors. And、uh, definitely, just、yeah. to clarify, just、yeah. I'll just stop right there. It's、um, we've been selling internationally for five years. It's a thirty-year-old brand, but we did move internationally in the last five. Just so, just so you know, from an edit perspective. Oh, okay, that's great. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, no, that's still that. That's still great. Okay.、Uh, yeah. Talking about international markets, how do you recognize a new market opportunity, and what kind of data are you looking for to guide the new market entry? Mm-hmm. So, w- what I would say is, the first thing that we're looking for is: can we? Sell, is there a demand for the same product that we manufacture in the United States? So, what we don't want to do is to create a bunch of product lines that are specific for individual markets, because we don't pick up economies of scale in our manufacturing and our branding, anything that we're doing in the United States. So, what we want is we want to find markets. It's where there's intrinsic demand for our U.S. manufactured product.、Mm-hmm. Then we also want to look at markets where there's a high level of pet ownership or a growing level of pet ownership, and there's 
you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of interest in, in feeding premium ingredients. So I'll give you a good example in contrasting the opportunity between China and uh, the, in Europe, for example. Mm-hmm. When you think about growth in China, there's, you know, pet, pets are, are rapidly sort of becoming part of the, um, the, the public consciousness. The pet ownership in China has doubled in the last five years. The category is growing at 30% mm-hmm. annually. There's a ton of interest in feeding premium food. But there's also not a history of pet ownership sort of historically. There's not uh, brands that have been there forever and are entrenched and are known as the highest quality. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of market opportunity, which mm-hmm. is kind of the perfect environment to be in. Mm-hmm. It, but then when you think about Europe, where we don't sell today, people have the same love for their pets in Europe, but there's much more of an established infrastructure around European pet brands, right? They, if they're living in Germany, they just as rather buy a European manufactured pet food brand, as opposed to paying that extra dollar to get something from the United States. So we think there's a little bit less of an opportunity there. Whereas in China, people are paying a premium because they know it's such a high quality product. So I think that's an important part of our, of of our market strategy. Mm -hmm. A great example to what we see in Asia is Latin America really being, I think, an area of growth for us where there's a similar dynamic of, hey, the best products are made in the United States. That's what I want to feed. So I'm going to go out and seek out that brand. Mm-hmm. Great. I, I think overall, like you're looking at it, the consumer behaviors to drive mm-hmm. your new market entry. And then to follow up on that is one of my favorite things about 2022 is that we are finally getting back to live person events. And one event Rethinker Retail is especially looking forward to this year is Shop Talk Europe. Taking place June 6th through 8th at Excel London, Shop Talk Europe is the new home for Europe's retail and grocery changemakers. The event is expected to see over 2,500 decision makers from leading retailers and brands. You'll also see startups, tech firms, investors, media like Rethink Retail, and analysts from around the world. Yes, we are all coming together to learn, network, collaborate, and evolve. The event will host more than 200 industry speakers. And if that wasn't enough to keep you busy... More than 250 companies will be showcasing the latest trends and innovations that are transforming the global retail sector. Qualifying retailers and brands can attend Shop Talk Europe for free and receive up to a 500-pound travel reimbursement through Shop Talk's world-renowned hosted meeting program. For more information to see the lineup, or to register your company, shoptalkeurope.com is the place to visit. Again, that is shoptalkeurope.com. To be more specific, it can be very incredibly difficult to understand the nuances of the new market customers and their day-to-day habits. So what steps exactly has Better Choice Company taken to get to know its customers in different Mm -hmm. regions? And then what have you learned? Yeah, so I think the most important thing is when you, whenever you start out and look at a new at a new um, international market, is to not assume that you know 
what the consumer wants, what their purchasing habits are, and that it's going to be exactly the same as the United States. I think that was what allowed us to be really successful in Asia, where we actually did quite a bit of of research and A-B testing of our products and positioning with our distribution partners to go um, to go and figure out what, what the right message was. So taking a step back to what I said earlier, the finding the right partners on the ground is super important because look, I live in New York City. Um, you know, I used to travel to Asia before uh, before <laughs> COVID hit, but yeah. um, you know, hopefully I'll be I'll be back over there soon. But you know, we're having to rely on on our partners for everyday knowledge, right? As a, as a somewhat smaller brand, you know, we're not a, a billion dollar business with offices all over the world. Mm-hmm. So what I really focus on is having that day-to-day relationship with our mm-hmm. distribution partners. So mm-hmm. they can, we can work together to develop a strategy. So a good example, you know, I'll, I'll just use a case study is mm-hmm. we are Halo Holistic product, which is selling really rapidly in uh, China, Korea, and Japan mm-hmm. is all about sustainability. And it's also, there's sort of a giving back message as well. Um, mm-hmm. And one of the products that we use has Marine Stewardship Council certified uh, fish products. So it's, mm-hmm. it's a really high quality ingredient. And what we did was we worked with, with our local partners to do and sponsor a reef cleanup in Shenzhen oh. where we had, yeah, where we had a bunch of local folks that either worked with the Halo brand or kind of folks that they knew mm-hmm. to go and do sort of a brand sponsored reef cleanup. And that was something that I think not a lot of brands are doing, particularly mm-hmm. not a lot of, of Western brands. Right. And yep. it generated a tremendous amount of exposure on social media. And mm-hmm. it's very consistent with what we do in the United States. So there's a, there's a brand continuity and mm-hmm. there's a, um, there's sort of a, a, just a market opportunity to do something different too. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm just curious, did the partner in China uh, come up with this uh, marketing idea? They did. So that was something where, you know, we gave them brand guidelines and, you know, they thought, Hey, wouldn't it be cool if we could if we could bring this to life with a campaign like this and, you know, they almost, what's great is they're our distributor, but they're also sort of our marketing arm and country as well. So, you know, it's allowed our brand to feel much more authentic as opposed to a bunch of Americans trying to figure out what the, uh, the average Chinese millennial woman wants to see on, on social media. Right. So the learning and living local parts are a lot of them are on the, local partners, partnerships. Exactly. Yeah, right. So then how do you evaluate the partnerships then? I believe that there are a lot of distributors out there in different countries. I'm mm-hmm. familiar with China, Korea, Japan as well. Like how, how do you evaluate them? Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, you know, what, obviously there's a reputational element that comes with that. You know, I think for us to get to a place where we're even willing to commit to that level of of spend on a, um, on a, uh, on a program like that, there was quite a bit of test and learn execution stuff, you know, that we had done over the years. Mm-hmm. You know, we were very sophisticated internally as to what, um, what ROI metrics look like on online platforms and online campaigns. So, you know, we have a team that really understands how, you know, what, what metrics sort of drive success and, you know, we can evaluate our partners 
on that on those metrics, while you know we might not be the the only hand in creating content, you know I think there's there's an there's an area of opportunity there for um, for folks to kind of fall in line with their own metrics that we're setting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'll give, give you a good example of a campaign actually that we did that really resonated in Asia that we had actually developed in the United States, which was um, a campaign around you know, healthy digestion and the, the proof being in the poop. It was actually even more successful in Asia than it was in the United States where the campaign <laughs> okay. was originally supposed to be. Um, so there's, I think it's all about just being totally open and transparent and wanting to work together um, with your partners, right? right. And, and feel, feeling like they're part of your company almost. Right. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Like trust is one of the probably the most important qualities in terms mm-hmm. of the partnership development. And then you'll be surprised like how creative the other part is uh, willing to uh, to participate. Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah. So then um, did you involve uh, celebrities, KOLs uh, for your marketing campaigns overseas? We did. We did. So um, we partnered with a uh, with a male uh, fashion model in um, in China um, mm-hmm. and sort of in our Asian markets, uh, his name's Zhao Lei. He's um, a uh, a cat owner, a, a huge proponent of um, of adoption of, of of cats rather than than breeding, which is very much in line with sort of our sustainability focused message. And you know, he has a huge following in. Uh, in, in China in particular among our target audience. So it's a mm-hmm. lot of fun working with someone that's really passionate about not just the brand, but really kind of the message. And mm-hmm. that authenticity was a huge reason why we ended up selecting him. You know, we we take the approach in the United States that we want all of our celebrities that we might partner with to be um, to be authentic. Because I think mm-hmm. the consumer can really see through these these fake yes. partnerships, you know. <laughs> yes, and... they can. Yeah, I, I like the word authenticity a lot because you have to be authentic in the modern market. And nowadays, the consumers are very smart and picky, and then they wanted to be part of the great brand story that's authentic, right. that's relatable to their own identity or like their own brands, their own lifestyles. Yeah. A hundred percent. And you know, it's, it, there's a great example. I remember and not to call out a specific campaign, but I was, I was flying through the Dubai airport connecting somewhere. And there's this ad I kept seeing, which was Bradley Cooper smiling and eating Haagen-Dazs. And I was like, like, this is, this is, who is this for? You know, who is this ad for in the Dubai airport? So uh, we're trying to not, to not take that strategy. Right. Right. So Yeah. Okay. (laughs) I agree. Yeah. I like how, yeah, how you're approaching this uh, international growth. Uh, Very impressive growth internationally and a very impressive strategy as well. So then how, uh, has Better Choice Companies, this Halo brand, been able to establish the homogenous brand image and mm-hmm. acro- across the globe? Yeah. So I think it starts with, it always starts with the product and, you know, delivering the best ingredients for, for pets. And that can take the form of, you know, a lot of different product attributes. You know, in the last, so last year we were 
call it at, at, at around $50 million of revenue. Our, our goal is to grow really rapidly and be north of $100 million gross sales by 2023. So there's a lot of that homogenous brand identity is super important as you think about growing. Mm-hmm. And when I think about our offering under Halo, so we're launching Halo Elevate, which is designed for pet parents to have natural ingredients that they know and trust with, with sort of science-backed results. So, you know, high levels of nutrition, high levels of supplement, uh, sort of nutrients in the, uh, in the pet food. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that I think just links throughout everything that we do, whether it's in the United States or in, or in Asia or, or Latin America or Australia is just having the best quality pet food for your pets. And then I think the brand identity where that plays in is again, goes back to that authenticity. So mm-hmm. I think that's actually a pretty, a pretty good word to use to link through everything that we do in each market, because we're going to tell like the whole story of Halo Elevate is we're going to tell you exactly what's on, what's in our pet food. What's on the front of the bag is what you get. It's a very clear message. We're not trying to, you know, have, have, you know, hide ingredients or, um, or anything like that. And then, um, and the same is true on, on our holistic product, which is all about, again, sort of that ingredient traceability, sustainability, you know, high quality proteins. Um, so the authenticity where that plays into on the marketing side is authentically talking about what it's like to be a pet parent. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, we're, we're really excited to, to talk about the joys and the challenges of being and being, um, a pet parent every day and how mm-hmm. there's, you know, it's not just an image of like a golden retriever running across a lawn catching a frisbee, you know, you're, mm-hmm. that's probably not what you do every day with your dog. <laughs> um, you yeah. know, it's more about all the, those amazing sort of day-to-day moments that, that you see with your pet. And so we really want to bring that come to life or make that come to life. And, you know, I think that will play through in each of our international markets, um, you know, in terms of how we market. It might, it might take different forms, but mm-hmm. again, it's all about being sort of that authentic, um, you know, great food for your pets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're just following up on that. I think customers in different regions may relate to your brand story in a different way. Then, mm-hmm. do you offer customized products in uh, different regions? So, what I would say is, we, I hear which I, I agree with you. Um, you know, one thing that is nice is that, um, you know, dogs and cats don't really know if they're, you know, living in the United <laughs> States or if they're living in China or they're living in Australia. So, you know, there's okay. not, there's not a huge, um, there's not as big of a very variability um, in terms of, in terms of, you know, product offering, if you will. Okay. Um, you know, sure. There's, I think there's some, you know, examples of, of different SKUs performing better in certain markets. Um, but I think there's a little bit, uh, you know, there's, there's a little bit, we have an advantage where we can sell pretty similar products across different markets. Uh, that's great. Say, yeah, yeah. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. What I would say though, is um, it, it probably takes, it's more about the form of the products than anything else and mm. who we're marketing to. Like in Asia, for example, there's the cat market, the premium cat market is actually a little bit bigger than the premium dog market. 
Whereas in the United States, the premium dog market is a lot bigger than the premium cat market. So there's some nuances there, but you know, all in all, it's uh, we're serving the same dog or cat the same meal. Right. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I think I, I agree. I think probably the form factor of the packaging for the right. the owners, pet owners, is uh, more important than the variety of the, the product itself. Yeah, great. Exactly, exactly. Great. So, um, yeah, to wrap up the conversation, I think I have to ask this, uh, the pandemic. So how does mm-hmm. the pandemic change the, the pet food market landscape and what are the trends you're seeing? Yeah, so I would say that the pandemic is it's it's been a super interesting um, had a super interesting impact on our business. Um, I would say there's been some positives that have you know, positive developments as a result of people staying at home more, spending more time with their pets. I think it's accelerated sort of the the trends around the humanization of um, of pet food because or of pets because mm-hmm. the more time you spend with your dog, the more you probably want to feed it treats and mm-hmm. you want to, you know, treat it like a kid. So <laughs> yeah. um, I think that's, that's a natural outcome. You know, I would say on sort of some of the challenges, like everyone else, you know, we're selling a, a, a durable consumer good that, you know, flows through global supply chains. We've been lucky because we're actually an exporter um, out of, out of the United States into, into our international markets. So um, we haven't had as much challenges getting product out of the country as maybe some other folks have had getting in. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've stayed we've stayed in stock on a, on a lot of our products, um, which has been great. I think really when we think about all the all the challenges and all the hardship that the pandemic has caused, you know, we hope that pets are at some in some way a stress reliever and, and an, an emotional outlet. And I know that my cat has been. Uh, has definitely played that role over the last couple of years for me. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, so, so that's what we care about, right. Is, is um, just delivering the best food. So our pets can, can be happy and and we, we can be happy by extension. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So any new food, uh, the pet food category you're seeing like uh, is being in the development mode. I think what I would say on the innovation side is the, Freeze dried space is growing really, going growing really quickly. You know, we mm-hmm. have a um, the new line I was talking about. Halo Elevate has uh, is actually a freeze dried coated kibble, so mm-hmm. it's it's super palatable uh, for for dogs, and they really you know they love that that sort of fresh meat taste. Um, you know, and that and that's a space I think is there's demand for it in every market um, on on the freeze dried side. Mm-hmm. So. You know, I, th- I think that's going to be an interesting space for growth. Um, mm-hmm. I think just with treats, generally, there's always opportunities for new and innovative treats, interesting proteins. Um, you know, we have a we have a vegan line that performs really, really well, um, mm-hmm. which is I think it's 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 unique, right? As humans. It's 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 again yeah. that humanization, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. I agree. Like because everyone in my neighborhood wanted a puppy when the pandemic mm-hmm. started. Yeah, and then I mm-hmm. agree. I think uh, we should and need to treat our pets and dogs um, as one of us. Yeah. Thank you uh, for the insightful conversation on building successful partnerships internationally and uh, getting to know your customers and and channels locally. It was a great conversation. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Yeah, thank you.
and then everyone else have a great day thank you for listening thank you for listening to the rethink retail podcast that's this week's retail rundown don't forget to join us next week for another episode and if you're interested in being a guest on the show apply at rethink.industries slash podcast guest that's rethink.industries slash podcast guest Follow us on Twitter at Rethink underscore Retail and show some love by subscribing, reviewing on iTunes podcast app. Until next time.